0: This is It's Never Just a Game. I'm NJ Pesci.
1: And I'm Greg Pesci.
0: And welcome back to the show. I'm trying to catch up to him. I'm trying to catch up to my brother, who is, uh, this, is this guy's California dreaming all the time. So <laughs> I'm sitting in what it happens to be the coldest days of the summertime here in Utah, where we had flash flooding and it's down to 50 degrees here. And once again, my brother is living living the life up in Cali.
1: Yeah, I mean we're in San Diego, and it actually was—it has been overcast and a little bit cooler than normal for the last couple of days. But today was gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm just not crying for you on that one, brother. No, I'm not I able to do that. Cry. So, so I'm going to take off myself to uh, to Cape Cod.
1: Nice. I want to
0: just say what what the East Coast people say, Greg. I'm going to the Cape.
1: Yes, down, just, down to the Cape.
0: I'm going down to the Cape. I'm going to the Cape. It's like people who say that they're going to. You know,
1: to the Bay Area. Yes. Chesapeake. I I remember being in uh many people would say I'm you know, I'm from the Bay Area. <laughs> At the time we lived in Massachusetts, I used to say I'm from the Bay State.
0: Exactly. So nobody knew I was talking about. They had it first, man. So in mass in in um California, we're doing this remotely. We're in Chad Little Sports like we always do, with some positive things from our perspective, not everyone else's. And then we're going to talk about a world that my brother's been in for a while and, uh, and the one I'm getting involved in right now, trying to learn more about it, and that would be about startups and about um, raising money and uh, hear some of his thoughts on that one, the questions that I have. So we'll do that, Greg. Well, let's just yeah, first let's start sure. with um, last week's football games and all of the commotion and noise about all of the rookie quarterbacks with most people, a number of people, a lot of people, Saying that Zach Wilson had the best week of any of them,
1: yeah, I thought he looked pretty good that night, and I, there was a piece you could get on to where they had every play that he was involved in, and um you know I didn't do anything spectacular, but he, he graded out quite well, and you could see it you can see the strength of his arm and he, but to me, the best part of it was that he looked relatively calm, he looked pretty calm and I think you know, so early on in a career like that, especially in New York, it'd be easy for that not to be the case. So good for him.
0: Yeah. So they graded them out. Zach was one or two. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had similar stats, but got sacked a few times. And uh, Justin Fields played a lot longer than anybody else and looked good. And uh, Trey Lance threw a long bomb, but he was like four or fifteen. So, and Mac yeah. Jones was Mac Jones. Like we're forgetting to talk about him. But there's noise that Mac Jones might actually start before Cam. This year. But the piece about Zach Wilson was this. He had terrible practices and he looked at the most game ready, they said, of any of them. And he threw to seven receivers and he had seven first downs in two series. And if they just got that fourth and one.
1: What's the definition of terrible practices?
0: Uh well he 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 they practiced with the Packers. This happened after even after the game. So he had a, he had a good game. Six of nine. Yeah. He looked good through to seven different I mean, through to seven different receivers. I think only six caught him. But he got sacked seven times against the Packers. Seven wow. times and threw two picks. Oh wow. Yeah. So they would say that is probably a bad practice.
1: That's not a good practice. I'll go with that one.
0: Yeah. But then he had bad practices prior to that. So I don't know. Are we talking about practice? I mean you're talking about <laughs> practice. I mean it's practice? <laughs> So, so
1: that's one of the greatest scenes ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, Iverson didn't need to practice, Greg.
1: No, he did not need to practice.
0: And that practice practicing—that's
1: one of the greatest ever.
0: At that level, practice is about compliance. Yeah, practice <laughs> is about making sure you understand. I'm actually in charge of you. Now, that's a common theme for our conversations, Greg. Uh, getting handled, not having people in charge of us. Uh, we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to more of that. So. So Zach had a good week, and he's going to have a bad week, and and all of them are going to have good and bad weeks. They're, they're saying this might be the best class ever of quarterbacks coming out, which is tough to beat the 1983 class, which was pretty strong. Yes, it is. So we'll Very see about tough. that. And then the yeah. improbable. The improbable. On July the 5th or 6th, the Yankees were 10 and a half games behind the Red Sox, who were in first place. And now, I think the Yankees are... Half a game, at least half a game above the Red Sox. They won. The Yankees won today. Red Sox didn't play, so they might have a half game. They were percentage points ahead of the Red Sox yesterday. But that's before they won,
1: right? Right yeah. before they won last.
0: I thought. Oh, you might be right. Is it? Is it a game and a half? Take a look at that. I think
1: they're. I Take think a they're look. Up let's over a game let's now. see that. But maybe I'm wrong.
0: I don't want to rub. Let's, I don't want to rub that in there, but uh, to really pick up 10 and a half games in four weeks is
1: huge. Yes. What, what are they year now? Does it remind you of?
0: 1978.
1: 1978.
0: Yankees were 14 and a half oh. games out in 78 in July. Yes, I,
1: I remember that. Right now, yeah, right now uh, the Yankees are a game and a half on top of the Red Sox. Okay, still game five and out. Half.
0: Game and a half. Yeah, still because because no cool. one could beat Tampa Bay. Tampa
1: so, Bay's looking pretty good,
0: man. As we mentioned, Greg, I was destined to pay for the dinner on
1: yes. Monday
0: night with Frank and Kelly. At this point, I still may have to because there's still you still have Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday, and there's you know it's still possible, but I might actually uh, get the dinner free this time.
1: You could go Dutch. You could go Dutch. Well, this you is know, what will happen anyway. Uh, it'll happen
0: anyway. We'll do that. So, uh, but looking forward to seeing Frank and Kelly when we get up there to Massachusetts. So good news for the Yankees, moving up in to I think first in the wild card at this point. Very exciting. And we're getting closer yeah. to NFL football and closer to college football, and that makes people here happy.
1: Very excited about it. And I also thought, uh, did you see
0: that? Did you see that article, Greg? That news about the uh, Polish javelin thrower?
1: Yeah, where the, yeah, so the where the silver medal silver medal was being auctioned off? Yeah, that was that's a great story. I mean, some it was a grocery chain or something. Yeah. Yes. It. They paid the money and then they gave it back to her.
0: So she auctioned off her silver medal in the javelin so that they could send some kid, maybe even baby, Stanford. to Stanford for a heart transplant or surgery, something of that. $125,000 paid for by a Polish grocery chain. They won the auction, and she got 125000 for a medal, and then they handed her medal back.
1: Yeah, that's that, really, really, that, really great story.
0: That's never just a game. Right there.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, and hopefully things go really, really well for that, for that little kid.
0: Yeah, that's like the opposite of virtue signaling, in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. She had no idea that was going to happen, Greg. No. And uh, well, what are the chances that maybe she could win another medal? I don't know, but she had no idea they're going to give her the, mo- the money and the medal back. It's tremendous.
1: Heartwarming and makes you. Makes you feel good about people again. We don't always feel great about people. Yeah. Well, so, and, yeah, Especially in the last week or so.
0: Yeah, a lot of things going on right now that um, that are disturbing across the world. We uh, try to uh, stay out of too much of it, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of frightening
1: what's happening right now. It so, is. It's. It, time will tell. Hopefully, this thing won't get bad. But historically speaking. I mean, think about it. I mean, The people who live in Afghanistan have been a part of a civil war or some sort of battle for about 40-plus straight years. Yeah. That's That's too much. That's insane.
0: It's too much. So hopefully prayers to everybody involved that they might be able to get to safety. Uh, It's disturbing watching people handing their children over fences to uh, freedom. It's terrible. Anyway. So it's kind of hard to go on to whatever we're going to do next, Greg. But yeah, it seems superficial. So we're not going to pretend that these things are not happening, but we've tried not to make it too much of a political focus. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, not what want to do. No, we'd rather go off on Colin Cowherd and say he's an idiot <laughs> uh, or talk about Nick Wright. And um, you know, When the day comes, Greg, when we listen to the show, we're going to have to go back. We'll have to answer for these things, you know. Yeah. The cancel culture will I find really those clips. They'll find those clips.
1: Yeah. They'll get That's
0: us. Good. So instead, of, I want to talk about startups, Greg.
1: Okay, let's do it. I want
0: to talk about this. So there are business startups, and then there are tech startups, and there are tech business startups, and but the tech thing, as we've talked about in the past together, not on the show, the, the um, ability to generate huge revenues and or huge sales points or sales prices with Software companies is like nothing else. Yeah. If I'm going to start the right ski now. stool thing, I'm not going to be able to flip it over like somebody who did a SaaS project that's about in the if fintech you know. fintech in the fintech space. <laughs> fintech.
1: Everybody's a fintech now, so they think. But so yeah, the, it's a it's a very interesting time. If you think about multiples right now on SaaS, it uh, in, in, in a variety of industries, it's it's a little crazy.
0: And SAS stands for
1: software as a service
0: software as a service. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: It's crazy. So I was listening to a podcast, Greg, about starting up. So first of all, like we mentioned previously with others, I've never raised money. I've had people come and ask me to invest money, but I've never raised money. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't understand the process, how it works.
1: Well, I think that uh, I think you've done enough in your life that it's not going to be too complicated for you. But in the end, I mean, the idea is that you try to find some investors who are, you know, like we've talked on previous episodes of the podcast, are going to be in large measure investing in you. Yes, they want to know your concept. Yes, they want to know the the product. They want to see something. Most of them, if they've been around, know that pivots happen all the time question is, you know, do they feel like you can figure it out, which you can. And, uh, and so, but yeah, I think that, you know, you, you get an idea, um, and you say, want to talk to some people about getting some investment. Now, some, some people are willing to invest really, really early, you know, some not only people but organizations really, really, you know, pre-revenue, sometimes even pre-products just because you have an idea. Uh, um, I think that's, Harder to do than to have, than it is to have at least some kind of product that you can show people, so they have an idea of what you're really talking about, and they know that you've already made that kind of progress.
0: So when you when when you go to someone and say, "Hey, look, this is what we have. This is our MVP." Yes. The
1: minimum viable product.
0: Minimum viable product. This is what it is. Yep. We're going to be going. To do now. So when they say they're going to invest, Greg, I mean, how, how do you figure out how much they get for their investment? You gotta.
1: Okay. Well, this is the part. Yeah. This is the part, especially early on in, in a company that's like even pre-revenue companies. This is the part where it's really, you know, there's not a lot of science to this because um, you know, how do you value that company? I mean, a lot of people will look at different com- like companies in the same uh, business, it's in the same vertical, the you know, same space, whatever you want to call it. Um, they'll also look at uh, regionally uh, what are startups getting for valuations because that, that initial valuation is just, it's uh, it's really hard to completely justify early on. And um, you know, later on when people start saying, show me your revenue, whether it's EBITDA, whether it's you're doing top line, whatever the multiples based on, That's a different story than early on when you've got nothing. And so that's kind of an interesting dance that you you kind of have to work on the front end and and frankly, see how the potential investors respond, react.
0: So you've got to put a value on your company. You do. You've got to say something like, I think this is a $20 million company.
1: Right. And if you say $20 million pre-revenue in most, in the old days, most people would laugh today. I guess it's not so laughable, but yeah, you've got to have an enterprise valuation because that's how you can start talking about, okay, if we say the company's worth 20, right, and someone's going to bring in X amount of dollars, what percentage of the company do they get for it? And that valuation, generally speaking, that enterprise valuation is is the key number that's used to help drive yeah. the, uh, the math for that.
0: All right. So I say the company's worth $10 million. Let's just use right. 10. And you come in, you yeah. want to give me a million dollars to invest in. What do I get? What do you get? Ten percent. Ten percent.
1: Yes, you get ten percent of
0: the company, and then that then that company, Greg, because I'm running it, it's really worth seventy five million once it gets going. Right. So they got ten percent of something that's not worth ten million dollars; worth seventy five.
1: Right, and they'll be very happy. Well, mostly happy. I've 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 spoken to a few uh, VCs even here in Utah who said, "Hey," said to me very nicely, but said, "Hey, you know." If you're if you're gonna give me a five or six multiple, that's nice, but I'm not interested.
0: Not big enough.
1: Oh, not even close. Not even close. Not even close. If I could get it's a five like, percent
0: multiple on that. the ski stool, man, I'd be doing it right now. So, so what are they looking for, Greg? Five looking for twenty?
1: Yeah, some of those guys are looking. They're looking for. They want twenty at least. Twenty. Yes, and and um, and they and that particular, I'm not gonna name them, but that particular firm has, has did did better than that.
0: No kidding. But they don't
1: do better with everybody, right? So that, right. You know, a lot of these DC firms will, they'll you get a, a basket of 10 and maybe two really work for you. But you want those two to work enough so that uh, your investors all, their returns.
0: So you're going to sit down and you're going to start with a round of of, of um, investors that are, that these are not going to, be, this is not a series A investment, Greg.
1: No, so, so lots of places start with, with you know, uh, a seed round, friends and family and others where it's a, it's a very initial round and, and then assuming that they survive uh, and start to build a company at some level, th- then you can get to your kind of your first official Series A and then you see if you do multiple series after that or not.
0: Okay, so you go in, you get a million dollars, Greg.
1: Yeah.
0: Friends and family. What you think is a, a ten million dollar deal? You get a million dollars. You raise that million bucks, and that and that's going to be burned through pretty fast, Greg.
1: It can be burned through really fast, and 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 this is the concern that you have, right? Because you got some of these uh, and other investors who may come around in the second round. You know, they they want to see growth. They want to see it moving fast. They want to see momentum because then they say, okay, we can throw gas on that fire, and we can get a nice return. Right? And so you've got to spend enough money to one put some sort of a team together, two put some sort of prod together, and three do some sort of marketing. Right? You got to get some users, people who are actually using it. And um, it takes money to do that. But sometimes people get a little carried away and they just burn it really fast because once it's all gone, you're dead. Right. Right. Uh, unless you have to go out, you have to go out and get more. But when you're like dead with no cash at all, and you're going to go try to ask for money, and they find out that you have no cash at all. You know, most people are a little nervous about that. And even if they do want to do the deal, they know you're in a tough spot and you're not going to have a lot of leverage.
0: So I, working with this one group today that um, there's, like a, there's very interesting balance, Greg. So as you're going mm-hmm. through this, you have to actually raise money and they keep raising money and they're getting people yeah. to invest in these things. They have to get some some more development money spent and they got to figure out how to do some marketing things and all that stuff. The problem is so much of the time, if not all the time, is being spent on raising money and maybe Mm -hmm. trying to develop this product. And so I always tell this one person, I'm telling them, look, if if we get $10 million tomorrow, we won't even know how to spend it outside of programming things, development. You don't have a sales force. You don't have any marketing. You have nothing. And so it feels like you're so busy spending so much time trying to get the money that operationally it feels like you're not ready when it happens.
1: It's, and that's a good point. It's, and it's really hard to, to do both. It really, really is. And in my experience, which is, you know, there are a lot of people listening to this who have more experience. I'm not trying to say I'm somebody special in this. But in my experience, one of the things that we were slow to do early on was to actually ask, to actually ask somebody to buy your product. You, you Don Berman, who has been on our show, loves to say, uh, "Until you have a customer, all you have is an idea." Yeah. Now, some people will disagree with that, but I think a lot, most, will, will agree with that. And there is something to be said to actually sit down, looking across the table from someone, and say, "How I need you to pay me for this product." You actually, and I just think that a lot of people delay that because they want to make it better and better and better and better. And this is what I, we were talking about off off. Line earlier, it's Reed Hoffman who did um, LinkedIn. He used to say, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, then you waited too long to launch. Yeah, And and, and some people will do that. They just want to make it better, better and better. Other people are just afraid. You know, it's, it's they're afraid to sell. They got great ideas. They want to make things. It's the best product. It's got all these gadgets and all that kind of stuff. But you got to freaking sell it because you're not, not only sell it now, but sell it in the future and try to make value for the company and some people wait too long I really do believe in trying to sell. I'm not saying you should never give it away because sometimes that makes sense early on, but that you should try to sell sooner than later.
0: Well, I'm watching some of these, looking at some things that we're interested in here as as a family that we're we're working towards and I'm I'm recognizing people will give you things. They'll give you some software for free to get you into it and using it and it has less than enough capability for you to actually optimize it. So you're using one of these, I'm looking at a to-do list thing today, and it'll say, here are these two or three things you do, and then all of a sudden you write, well, I want to put in an an alarm that will go off and tell me, hey, man, you didn't do this. And then it says, hey, the alarm function is a premium product. So if you pay... And they
1: call this model, and they call this model the freemium model. Freemium. Yep. Freemium because it's free. For free. Okay. And and then I, then I charge you... a a, a premium of some sort as you start to use it more. A lot of people do it on on how many projects you have in there. Right. You know what I'm saying? And how much are you based on your usage?
0: Yes. And the the more dependent you become on it, the more uh, it benefits you, then the the more likely you are to go and actually pay the three to five to 10 and whatever, 20 bucks, whatever it is a month to have that thing. Yeah. So when you sign up for the freebie, they get your email. So now you're in that system not going to put me in the system and you're in the
1: system. And many times what they'll also do is they'll get your payment method, even though they won't hit it yet. They'll get your payment method because it's, so that's one less step when the conversion comes to go from free to having to to pay for something. Uh, We already have that information. We already have that data. So you can just click this button and there it goes.
0: So Greg, in this space right now, you, you, we want to start up something that's going to make, um, It's going to make a pen. We're not doing a physical product, but I don't know what else to do. There's a pen in front of me on the desk. You know I like pens. So it's going to make a pen. Pens exist, Greg. They already exist. People have been making pens and using pens. People have been making software and using software for whatever thing you might be interested in doing. How do you get anyone to give you money when there are thousands of people making pens?
1: Well, it's a really good question, and that's what they're going to ask you too. They're going to say to you, you know what's the addressable market that you're going after um who are the major competitors that are out there um how do they what's their distribution model how do they get to their their customers and what is it about your product service in this case it's a product um that's going to be better in some way or different why would someone spend money on your pen as opposed to others and, and you you have to answer that question. You have to answer both
0: questions. Yeah. So, so let me just be. Let me just say this now. It's just not possible, Greg. I don't believe that. What? Okay. I don't believe it. You don't believe I'm not, what? I'm telling you. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. So, as you go through the first part of this thing, all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. It's pertaining to my expertise in this area. You say, "What's the addressable market? Seventy billion dollar market. Medi- medical, medical, medical care. Seventy billion dollar yeah. market. Okay. Everybody, everybody, the whole thing, all in there." Even if you narrow it yeah. down. If you narrow it down right now, Greg, and say you want to work on elderly care, okay? Yeah. 83 million people involved in above the age of 65. It's going to grow 20% every year because with boomers, you're on the tail end. You're the last year of the boomers. It's just going to keep happening. You're getting older and older. And that that's the addressable market. Uh, old people. Elderly people. It's real. Nice. It's real. And then you say, who's the Very competitors? Big. The competitors are ABC, XYZ. They're all yeah. there. They're doing this. People have... Whatever they're doing with elderly people, from healthcare to medicines to to uh, facilities to walkers, whatever it is, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Who are the competitors? XYZ, ABC, got it all. And what's their market share and the rest of that stuff? And then you say, can you tell me what distinguishes you from them? Yes. It's not possible.
1: That's a hard question. It's
0: not possible, Greg. There are hundreds of companies. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of companies selling pens. So there, and there are hundreds of, of VCs funding them. And there's no yes, way there they can tell you something that would distinguish them to the point where no one else is doing it. There's no way,
1: right? So well, how I don't did, know did you have to get that far though? I just did. Okay, take it back. You Bring me back. To. Bring I'm, me back. What I'm saying is, you, you need a certain part of the market, right? You're not. Buy, you're not going to get the whole market. Nobody, no, nobody right. does except for Google and Apple. Right. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, so you you got to get a portion of it. Right. The truth is, if you don't have something, I mean, if you don't have something that's different in some way, right? Then then it's very very difficult to compete, particularly because the people who are already players in this space have more money to drown you out yes. in marketing.
0: Yes, but uh, honestly, if we if we say if we use the pen, and I'm thinking of software providers for things. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not interested in saying what it is I'm thinking about right now aloud. Yeah, wouldn't do it. So. There are hundreds and hundreds of them, Greg. There are at least a yes, hundred yeah. of them that I've seen as I'm doing this market research. At least a hundred. There's no way they can tell you that's something that different than anyone else. They all do the same things. So it's a okay. market. to me, it feels like it's a marketing thing that you have to be able to somehow market this better small. than somebody else. But I don't know how it they could... It's- Greg, it's not right. like one company says fastball... The other company says curveball. The other company says changeup. The other company says slider. Now, what are you going to say? There's no other pitch you can throw. But they're all yeah. pitching the same things. I'm going with a circle change. I yeah. the circle change. You could. The way you hold it, you could go with a four-seam four seam fastball versus two-seam fastball. But that's what you have to do in this moment. It feels like that to me, Greg. I mean, unless you're yes. the fax machine dude who made the first fax machine, you... you well,
1: I mean, <laughs> people talk about trying to be a category creator, right? And that... If you can do that, and you might take something that's in a normal category today and just do something slightly different to it, that allows you, you know, eventually uh, to possibly create your own category. People say, that, "I mean, that's what you want, right?" That's nirvana if you can do it, because then you say, "I'm, I'm, I started this thing. I'm alone now. People are going to come. Yes, and they're going to come. They're going to come fast, especially if you have any kind of public success. Excuse me, there, that's going to happen, but." Yeah, but but investors are going to look at and say, "You got to show me something."
0: Right, and, and that's what I'm hung up on, Greg. Trying to understand right. how how you can distinguish yourself so much. Now you talk about category building. Let's go back to the example we've used previously and just remind listeners about this. When you can grow a category, then you when you actually create a new shelf space in a category, like white strips.
1: But think about it, since you, you did you did a lot of this at, at P and I mean, where was? Well, you think what's for Febreze?
0: Yeah, Febreze, white strips. Yep. Disposable diaper. Yes. Liquid liquid uh, detergent. Exactly. Those are all. Those are all category things that grew a category. You had powder detergent. Right. That's all you had.
1: In some ways, they created categories. Yes. Things that didn't even exist before. Yes.
0: Yes. And this is my brother and and uh, and me complimenting Procter and Gamble. But but white strips for me is is that example because it existed already in a dentist's office. They would whiten your teeth. They took it out. They brought it out and said, let's just have the average person be able to purchase this thing. And then the shelf space grows. Everybody had toothbrushes. Everybody had toothpaste. Everybody had mouthwash. Everybody had floss. But nobody had that. Now they all have it, of course. Yes. So I don't know, as I go through this thinking, Greg, I can't seem to find anything that would say it's so different than everything else. And especially if you start with a small piece of it, because when it comes to software solutions, Greg there, you know, there could be massive ones that are used today. We know massive companies that have huge software solutions. If you wanted to go and create something that was just a piece of that, that's even harder.
1: Yeah. Easier because what's that? The beauty of the beauty to me, the beauty of software, there are a lot of things, a lot of things tough about it. but The beauty of software is that one, it's, um, uh, you, you can do this without an extraordinary amount of money to get going. You just can't. And you can test and you can try and you can fail and start again. And then once, and if you do figure it out, I mean, what's the marginal cost for you, for you to do another, to have another product? Not much. It's it's almost nothing. Not much. Right. Once you get it going and you get that thing revving, the, the margins are extraordinary. I mean, you can make a ton of money, and I still think you should do this because you, you you're gonna know them both, especially if you do this one particular software idea you're thinking right now. I mean to me, the the world is wide open for for major success in software media. And I think they have similar margins, and I still think that you're uniquely uh, situated for doing that. But yeah, I, 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 I and and in, in the margins excuse me, and the multiples now on on software are are, are nuts.
0: So what I like about the Greg, what I like about this is I don't know, I don't know the answer to this. Uh, This will, uh, and I will find it and and I'll look for it. And and it's, it's a enjoyable moment being
1: lost. I don't know anything about this. And I think. Think about about this, Donj. You actually do know a little more than you think about it because when you're thinking about creating categories, right? Like you said, those white strips, Here's the problem that a lot of people have, myself included. I got to think of something completely new, right? Right? And you kick your, and you bang your head against the wall for two months and then you give up because if we were that creative, NJ, we wouldn't have feared our class. But I feared right. our class. Right. Maybe you didn't. You're a good draw, but, but yeah, and it's all right. art. Yeah. I feared and our class. I had some but issues with
0: perspective. Shop. Yeah, yeah. Shop is a whole other story. We couldn't do shop.
1: But what I'm saying is, you know, and so people lose their minds and think I have to create something out of whole cloth that the world's never seen before. But that's not necessary. And what? And were there any sprays in the world before f- freeze?
0: No, not like that. No not, sprays not,
1: in the whole world. No,
0: there were sprays. Yes, I mean, but yeah. yes, of course. I, mean, I thought you meant a spray like that. Uh, it was. It wasn't supposed to mask what it, was supposed to actually eliminate. So there's nothing like that's what that. I'm saying. So yes. they took something. In yes. the white strips.
1: Right. You know what I'm saying? So you got right. the idea. Right now, in the stage that you're in right now, is is you should go out and look at these examples in a variety of industries, some of which you are very closely tied to a PG. Yeah. Yes, and start to think about how did they do that?
0: Yeah, so that's what we're doing, and and, and part of it is you know the the book, yep. decoding greatness, decoding Great. and it, it says it's the similar thing, Greg. Where it says basically, if you if you're not a reader, you're not a writer. And you're supposed yeah. to st- Don't be afraid of looking at what other people are doing. That's what's actually going to tell you what you should do next. That's exactly right. You have to be inspired by what, what, what you're seeing. You have to go look at everything you could possibly look at to say, what what yeah. could I do to make this better and different? And, and all I'm saying is... I can't, I haven't been able to unlock that thought in my mind that would say this would distinguish itself. I could see you could focus on size of the market and say, let's just do 25 to $55 million, 25 to $75 million companies. So that's the niche that you want to go look at. And then you could say, let's break it down to certain industries. Let's make it be entertainment or let's make it be uh, um, food services. or Let's make it be, um, I don't know, um, travel. Then you can see how large the market is there. But then the question is, what could, what would you be doing with that product that would be specific enough to them that it would win that niche, yet could expand right. into larger things once others find it. Yes, that's this,
1: and this kind of. I mean, this is oh, this is O D and P but this is also you know where to play and how to win.
0: Yeah. Yes. So most of the time being spent right now is being spent on researching what people are doing today and then the size of the prize in, in any one of those markets that we're interested in. But, I, but time, trying to find that distinction. I know, Greg, when the time comes, as, as terrible as this might sound, I do know that when the time comes to sit down, I will be nervous because I've never done it before. But yeah, if, of course. if in the end what we're doing, though, is telling a story, I feel pretty good about our chances about yep. telling a story. Uh, I'd like to have some meat <laughs> behind that story if we're telling it. But yeah. I, I think we could sell the idea it's been sold enough times. I think we can do that. Then the question is how do we get how do we get that MVP in the hands of people where we could turn around and say, look, we have ten customers using this right now.
1: yes and and having some money to start with that, even before you, potentially, even before you go and talk to you know, the real bigger funders that you want, just enough to get something to show. But this is not just purely an idea that there is uh, an MVP or some semblance thereof so that, that people can see it and then they can and then they can help fund it
0: so if you want to do that Greg what do you have to raise hundred thousand dollars two hundred fifty
1: thousand uh, dollars I think that if you want to depending on what kind of software you're talking about uh, I think it probably you know it, it, at least a hundred grand yeah yeah and that's not you know. Remember that's not a ton because you're not you know if you're hiring people and and you're doing stuff i mean that's pretty that's pretty reasonable but but it um it's, it's pretty small actually but it, but as far as getting the software going i think you you could do it I know you could i mean I've actually done it, so I know you could,
0: yeah, so that'll be interesting what we'll, we'll have to get this down to an idea where we could actually stop and ask friends and families if they're friends and families.
1: Go ahead. This is the beauty of it, though, man. This is the beauty of it, right? And in where in the, in the age in which we live right now uh, is that this is so much more achievable and doable, and the barrier to entry is just so much smaller than it used to be. I mean, you used to need two hundred fifty thousand dollars just for your service, right? Yeah, and, and you right. don't. I mean, depending on how big you're going to be, but now people can try. People of all ages, people of all genders, of all ethnicities, people can try, and and without such a big swing just yet. And there's a lot of money out there to be supportive, and I think that's very exciting because it, it allows a greater sense of freedom and opportunity for people of all kinds.
0: Uh, and the question is, how big we're going to be? I want to be big enough that we have a cereal station and a place for both salty and sweet snacks that people <laughs> can come up on a little scooter razor thing, slide over, and get yourself some <laughs> life cereal, cinnamon, cinnamon life. If you want to do you that, gotta
1: have the snacks, man. You gotta, gotta have, have the
0: snacks, snack. you, know, you know, I'm not doing, the, I, I, I'm not doing in a ping pong table, but the the piece that I like the most about it right now, Greg, is I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I have no yeah, idea what I'm you. doing. I mean, but I'm researching. I'm, 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 this is this is the kind of thing that gets you going in the daytime. And you think about, yeah, you know, I, I spent 20 years in a behemoth, massive thing. Yep. And then you know, another whatever it was years in in television stuff and. They're not. They're not necessarily designed for this type of thinking. No. No, they do that, but it's a long burn, man. When you're when you're making a new uh, new diaper. So. It's a long burn. So I'm I'm excited by the by the you know the the possibility. I'm excited by the fact that yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I think it's close enough to things that we've done in the past where we might have a little authority in the area to discuss it. And, and I also know that. You Going to talk to people. So, you know, you got to spend some time interviewing people. The good part about it, Greg, is I, I know enough about this area to, to interview whomever I interview. I'm not going to be lost in the middle of it. No. So, close. no. We've been having conversations with people about construction um, separately. And that, that of yeah. course, what do we know about that, Greg?
1: Uh, we built a friendlies in New York once. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. A friendlies. Uh, Get yourself a fribble. You get a fribble at a friendlies. That's what we're talking about over here. So I don't know. I, I, it's it's a world that I'm unfamiliar with trying to learn the language. I'm, I'm working with a startup right now separately, part of the work that we do with the Ovid Group, which has been just very, very interesting for me, Greg, to listen to uh, the founder as he's going through the monies that, that are being raised and then having the conversation about the uh, financial model And then how you would burn the burn rate and how you'd burn through that money. And the craziest thing I ever heard anyone ever say to me was investors just want to see. They want to see how you're going to spend their money. They're not going to be happy if you don't spend it.
1: That's true, though. It's crazy. It is. Well, why'd they give it to you?
0: Right. Well, this is about burying your talents. I'm going to put it in the backyard and see what happens.
1: They They can't get a return if you're not going to spend the money. Now, they'll tell you that, but they'll be furious with you if you just burn through it in no time at all. Yeah. And didn't get anything for it. But, yeah, an investor, why do they give you the money? If they, if they don't expect you to use right. it. If you don't use it, there's no chance they're getting a good return.
0: We have to show them how we're going to use their money because it makes them happy. That's what they said. Yes. And I thought it's that true. that's some, some crazy stuff, man. Yep. So it's trying to hard learn hard that.
1: To, yeah. Because I mean, we open a house where we're supposed to watch the price of oil go up every year, but yeah. keep the heating yeah. down every year.
0: Yes. We have to section off portions of the house so that we would uh, be able to keep the oil bill down our father told us this. a man again who has no no skills in these areas greg told us if you take <laughs> all the cracks in the windows of this old house and you put them together it's a five by five foot hole in the side of the home <laughs> what what i remember that five by five foot. that's massive greg you don't even have enough window cracks to make a five by five. Even even absolutely if the house is absolutely
1: no idea, but he no loved clue. It. And see that's no what, he just sold it. He right? did.
0: No, I don't think we were buying it, but we didn't have a chance or a choice that well, we, we were supposed to take plastic.
1: We couldn't even argue with him because we we got a kerosene lamp going. Uh, uh, what is?
0: Could have yeah, died. We could have died there. in that kitchen. We could have died in that kitchen.
1: We're looking for we, no. in there. we had
0: a. We had a. Um, Wood burning stove in the basement, yeah, attached to the fireplace, so the the smoke was funneled out of the fireplace in the basement. By the way, the house had six fireplaces, Greg, and we we probably just used two of them. And
1: I don't remember using more than two. Do you?
0: No, using them, no, no, no. So there was a there was a fireplace down in the basement. Yeah, there's a fireplace in the living room and in the dining room. Yep, there's a fireplace in the master bedroom, and a fireplace in the study. And then there was the wood burning stove, which would be the sixth one
1: right.
0: in that house. Which we used the wood burning stove in the one in the in the living room. Was it. I don't remember using anything else ever. In fact, I one of them was it. one of them was in a closet. Remember, yeah. in the study, they built a closet. Someone previous owner had built a closet around the fireplace. Yeah, it was a little insane. So we're we're in the kitchen. Got a wood burning fireplace going. He has the duct blowing heat into a vent in the kitchen from the wood burning fireplace. In yep. the kitchen there was a kerosene lighter, kerosene stove, yep. a heater, right? Yep. Kerosene there. The whole family should have been dead. We
1: used dead. to in grandma's TV room, this little box of a room. We would all be in there at night watching this thing. It's like, we, we, we probably, we, it's good that we made it this far in our lives.
0: This is why we would have died, Greg. We would have died because he had us put plastic up on the windows. He did. So there's no fresh air coming in. Got the heat stove pumping in. You got a kerosene stove going. We should have all have been dead. They should have found us all laying on the floor in that in that house. But the heating bill would have been a four dollar heating bill in the middle of the winter in Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> That's what his goal was. You know? And if you take out a few kids, then the cost of staying there goes down too.
1: Uh, and I'll tell you something, this is a dominant gene. Because I don't know about you, Jim, but I refuse to do this. Now I, I did I'm, you know, reasonable about the heat, I doesn't want it to be too much, but my kids, it's cold in here in the wintertime, but not like that, right? But my son, Cristiano, he and Pop, they compare energy bills.
0: Oh, that's the best.
1: They compare energy bills. I'm thinking, this is a dominant genius. Yeah. Skip, largely skip the generation, but it won't go away.
0: No, the the thing that my kids respond to the most is light, light, the lack of lighting. There's a lot of lighting. That Marianne picked out some great lights, but they're not on. They're turned off. And the kids <laughs> come in the house and go, I can't see anything here. We see what we need to see, and that's all we got to see. You got lights on everywhere, burning, burning lights everywhere. So, uh, yeah, that, that I don't know the heat thing, not so much. My wife prefers the house a little colder. In fact, I got to turn the heat up because Christian will lower it. You know, it'll be freezing. This office that I'm in is the smallest room in the house, and it's the coldest room in the house. And Christian's upstairs here with me, and he's got that turned all the way down. I'm, I'm I can't do it. I can't do it. So. Anyway, so a little conversation about uh, a conversation about startups and how you get some money. And it's really, right now for me, it's about solving a problem that I don't know how to solve. So I'm enjoying that. And it's, so I'll be, coming, yeah, I'll be coming back for more, uh, more counseling on how we do that, Greg, as we get going yeah, here. Right. So um, this is It's Never Just a Game. I'm NJ Pesci.
1: And I'm Greg Pesci.
0: And we'll see you again next week.